Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Good morning. Welcome. Welcome, family. It's great to see you all. You may take your seats. Just, just on the working bee, there's a lot of um, jobs that need to be done Coming into winter, like that wall there behind that curtain is a frame with no insulation in it. So if you feel a bit drafty over that side, we need to put insulation and chiproc that wall. <laughs> oh, everyone that's sitting over that side, that's your department. Uh, everyone that's sitting over that side, no, just kidding. Um, but seriously, we don't um, attend church. We are the church. We are the church. Say, I am the church. The church isn't the leaders. The church is every one of you. And the prophet Haggai said, why are you living in luxurious houses while my house is in ruins? So you might say, well, Saturday is my day to do jobs around my house. This is your house. And if this house needs things that are to be done, then it's the church's responsibility to step up and do it, not the leader's responsibility. We are the church. You are the church. So let's be the church. Let's care for God's house. So um, that's, that's it. That's, that's it. So I'm going to talk about the heart of hospitality today. Who loves being the recipient of hospitality? I do. Who loves doing hospitality? All those people whose gift is hospitality go, yeah, I love cooking. I love having people over. And all of those whose gift isn't hospitality, you just go, oh, you know, it's not my thing. But um, there's such a blessing in hospitality and um, in just having meals together. It's such a, a blessed thing. And it's actually what Jesus did. You know, one of the things that has really stood out to me in watching The Chosen is that Jesus didn't set up ministries. Jesus didn't hold events. He had meals. He went to all these places and he ate with people and he talked with people. And it doesn't even say, and then Jesus went to Zacchaeus's house and held a Bible study. No, he didn't. He ate with him and he talked with him about the kingdom of God and the principles of God in a really natural, non-weird, comfortable setting. (laughs) And I believe that that's what God is calling us back to as the church is doing life together in a really comfortable, non-weird not like not super structured that's why Stephen uses the term eatings not meetings because the church in general we can become very structured and we can hold a lot of meetings but what what are we actually what is the biblical example of how we're actually called to live I believe that that's where God is drawing us back to does anyone else feel that yes and just, just on a really um, simple family meal, there's a lot of 
There's a lot of evidence around families that eat together. There, there was a study done at Harvard that showed that regular families, family dinners, people that eat together around the table, are associated with lower rates of depression and anxiety and substance abuse in that family. Family members who eat together regularly are less susceptible to eating disorders, tobacco use and teenage pregnancy. Family meals also contribute to higher levels of resilience and higher self-esteem in children. And studies have also shown a significant link between family dinners and academic performance of kids in school. How amazing is that? So if you eat together as a family, all these things are the benefit of just sitting down around a meal, just saying, hey, how was your day? How are you doing? Tell me, you know, how was school? That is just a, such an important and intrinsic part of the fabric of a family. So if that is so for our, our nuclear families, then it is also so for the church, the family of God. It is so good for our well-being. It is so good for our heart and our soul and our body. People who eat, there was also another study that showed that people who eat together are healthier physically. So they make better nutrition choices, probably because they're eating more home-cooked meals. The, um, the, the sad part of this research is that there was an article recently in Hospitality magazine that reported that solo dining is also on the rise. So people eating out at restaurants, 40% of traffic in the food industry now is from solo diners. People that turn up and eat alone. 40% of people who eat in cafes and restaurants are eating alone. You probably see it more in the city because people are, you know, there's a bit more of the um, business world going on in the city, yeah. But that's pretty sad statistic, isn't it? And car dining is also on the rise. <laughs> Eating in the car. How sad is that? Because we're on the run all the time. So we're stuffing down a burger or some fries while we're going from one meeting to a next. And that is not good for our body or our soul is, is to do that. No shame I've done it, but it's not the best way to do life. No judgment. <laughs> no judgment. So, like I said, the Bible frequently talks about Jesus eating with people. In fact... One of the accusations that the Pharisees brought to him is that you're eating with sinners and tax collectors. And Jesus said, well, it's, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick that need a doctor. So I just need to eat with whoever I can minister to. And, you know, is that, that is also what we're called to, not to just eat with our friends and, and you know, our select group of people that we but to ask the Holy Spirit, who, who can I reach out to? Whose need can I meet by inviting them into my home? And whether that's a need to meet someone's 
sole need of just having company or a physical need of actually providing them with, with a meal or a roof over their head to be led by the Holy Spirit in how we do hospitality. It was at a wedding feast that Jesus did his first miracle. In Luke 7, Jesus was anointed by a woman at the home of Simon the Pharisee. Jesus fed 5,000. He fed 4,000. He didn't just feed them with, with, a, with a message. He also fed them physically before he sent them home. Jesus ate at the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He invited himself to Zacchaeus' house for dinner. And, of course, the night before he was crucified, he chose to spend that evening around a meal with his disciples. That is how he chose to spend his very last night on the planet, not preaching a sermon but having dinner with those that were closest to him. I think there is something powerful about eating together that we don't even understand. There's something that happens on a spiritual level about sharing a meal and breaking bread and just, just having a real conversation with people and making eye, eye contact and taking time to just sit down with them and to just talk one-on-one in a small, you know, two, two or four or however many. 1 Peter 4, verse 8 to 9. Above all, love one another deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And, that, and that's not talking about hiding things. It just means we don't let those little irritations and those little failings irritate each other. If you love someone deeply, you overlook those little irritants and you choose to love them in spite of their humanness. And we all need that. And then it says, what does it say? Offer what? Hospitality. To one another without grumbling. Without grumbling about it. To cheerfully, cheerfully invite people into your home. Cheerfully cook them a meal. And honestly, you know, if you can... Make a cup of tea and open a pack of biscuits, you can do hospitality. It doesn't have to be an elaborate four-course dinner. You're not going to get that at my place. And I won't expect that at your place. If you give me a toasted cheese sandwich, if I didn't have to cook it, I'm happy. I'm really happy. I'm just happy to be in your house with my feet under your table, looking at your wonderful face, having a conversation about what you've been doing, what God's been saying to you and how we can build his kingdom together. That excites me. I get happy about that. So without grumbling, I heard this story about this family and um, it wasn't our family, it was a family and they're having people over for dinner and they're running a little bit behind like I usually am because I don't have the gift of hospitality um so but I do it anyway because the bible says I need to do it and um so anyway they're having people over for dinner 
The dad was still getting his clothes on. The mum was busy in the kitchen. The doorbell rang. They're like, oh, no, they're early. So they said to the little girl who was about five, can you go to the door and answer it and let the people in? So she's like, oh, okay, dad, but I don't know what to say. And he said, just say what you hear mum say. So she went to the door and she answered it and she said, oh, dear God, why did I invite so many people for dinner? funny so if you do it without grumbling then your children won't hear you say things like that and you'll be all good you'll be all covered in Matthew 25 34 to 35 Jesus is speaking about when when he returns when he comes back and he's talking talking about shepherds separating the sheep <laughs> from the goats, right? That time when he comes and he separates the sheep from the goats. And we all think, you know, I hope I fall into the sheep category and not the goat category. But it's interesting how he makes the distinction because he says, then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, <laughs> The king will say to them, come you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance that the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world, which is the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And this is what he says to them. This is why they inherit the kingdom. Because I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And they said, when, Lord? When did we do all this for you? And he said, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. You did it for me. So we might think it's a little thing to give someone a cup of tea and a biscuit or a cheese sandwich or a bed to sleep in for the night or some clothes that, are, you know, that we know that they need. But Jesus says, when you do that, you are doing it for me. I take notice of that because that is obedience to my word. That is being a disciple of Jesus. That is being a follower of Jesus. And that is what we're all called to do. But I want to make a really clear distinction between hospitality and entertaining. Because our society talks a lot about entertaining. And we all want to have our fabulous entertaining area. And we all want to have our outdoor kitchen and our outdoor fireplace and our big beautiful table and our fairy lights and we all want to have our big enough living room with our big TV and all that stuff, right? We, we want to have our entertaining area. Did I just describe your house? Oh, I like it. I'm coming. <laughs> and that's fabulous and it's wonderful but hospitality Doing hospitality doesn't require us to have any of those things. Godly hospitality 
It's not about impressing people. It's about blessing people. It's about blessing people. So it doesn't really matter what your house looks like. If your door is open and your arms are open and your heart is open, that's what blesses people. And I, you know, there's all this pressure around entertaining about the food that we put on the table. And, you know, we all make those excuses. I'll have people over when the bathroom's renovated. I'll have people over when, you know, when I've got the new kitchen bench or, you know, when the kids are a bit older or when I'm not working as much or, you know, when the house is clean or whatever. But if we keep making those excuses, we'll... That list is endless, isn't it? And the truth is we all live in the same world and none of our houses are perfect and it's not about perfection. We we just need to put down the perfectionism because isn't that what Martha did? Martha fretted about the meal and she fretted about all the details and Jesus said, Mary has actually chosen a better thing because she is being present with me and Martha's trying to be perfect in the kitchen. So we need to choose being present over being perfect. Just be there for people. Just be there in the room. Just, just be there and connect. Connect with people. And if they judge you because there's a towel on the floor or there's a pair of socks in the hallway, then that's their problem, not yours. Yeah? Hospitality as at its essence is about dedicating our homes to be used for the glory of God. It's about saying, God, you've given me this house and it's yours. And I want to use it for your glory. And it's not just my little place to run away from the world and shut the door. But I want to open the door. And invite others in. There's this great quote that says, When you have more than you need, build a longer table, not a higher fence. When God has blessed you, and let's face it, we all have more than we need. We all have the ability to share with others. And so instead of putting another lock on the door and building a higher fence... We need to build a longer table and invite more people to come and eat with us and be blessed. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. This is in the message translation and I love how it puts this. It says, All praise be to the God and Father, our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of mercy, God of healing counsel. He comes alongside when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God has been there for us. Isn't that beautiful? And that is our scripture actually for comfort food 
because in the NIV it says, so that we can comfort others as he has comforted us. We talk about comfort food, you know, it's those yummy things that you want to eat in winter, the stews and the apple pie and... But comfort food is what we share with others and what they share with us. Hospitality is just coming alongside others. It's alongsideness. It's doing life together. Psalm 68 says that God places the lonely in families. Who needs to be alongside brought into your family who needs to be brought under the shelter of your roof who needs to be brought into your embrace into your space who can you provide a little loving care and concern for the holy spirit will show you and he will also provide he will also provide when um, we were newly married, we had this, this tiny little cottage. It was really cute, but it was tiny. <laughs> and we were the youth pastors then. And, um, yeah, the, our dining room, you couldn't swing a mouse in it, let alone a cat. <laughs> let alone a cat, yeah. And... Um, it had this little table and we could we had two little kids then and we could probably fit two other people on the other side of the table. Yeah, and that was about it. And we used to squeeze the whole youth group into our tiny little lounge room. It was really cosy. Um, but I knew that God had called us that our house was meant to be for his glory. And so I started praying because I wanted to be able to invite more people over and our backyard was about as tiny as the dining room as well and I just started and we didn't have much money back then Um, and I started praying and saying Lord we we need a bigger house so that we can have more people in our house because we want to open up our house for people and then we, we went to a conference and in Adelaide and Callum was about the same age Ezra is now And we were sitting up the back because that's what you do sometimes if the baby hasn't slept much and you need to run out into the creche. I was sitting right up the back and um, this guy said, you guys up the back, I've got a word for you. And he brought us up the front and he prophesied over us that God was going to give us a house, give me a house. He looked at me and he said, God's going to give you a house. And I was like, oh, Um. And then, and then you start, I started to rationalise how God was going to do it. Does anyone else ever do that when you get a word from God? Oh, yeah, because we can't afford a bigger house. So maybe God's going to help us find a really cheap, big old house that we can fix up because we can do that. We can fix it up. And um, anyway, you kind of put it in the back of your mind. You get on with life and then... Um, we entered this competition and some of you that have been in the church a long time would remember this. We entered a competition, we went on a TV show and we um, had to decorate and, and paint a room and, and 
than the people that watched the show had to vote and we won a house. We won a house. We won a house in Tweed Heads right on the border between New South Wales and Queensland and we were able to sell that house and we had by that stage, we had bought an old house but it still wasn't very big. (laughs) So we were able to extend on to the back of that, double the size of that house Um, because God actually did give us a house. So I only share that testimony with you to to show you and to encourage you that when you dedicate your life to God, we want you to use us and our house to build your kingdom and to glorify you. Then he provides. He provides And he has always provided for us. And he will always provide for you. If you seek first the kingdom of God and you serve God, he will always provide for you. You will always have more than enough. And for, especially I want to say to the the young couples and young people, just hear from God and live the life that he's called you to live and he will provide for you. He will provide for you because we, we didn't do what we did because we wanted to earn a lot of money. We lived how we lived because God asked us to live that way and he provided for us along the way because there's so much temptation to um, choose a certain lifestyle because you feel like that's the kind of lifestyle you have to live in order to provide for your family and it's backwards Live the life that God's called you to live. And and the provision is his. The provision is up to him. The obedience is ours. The provision is his. He will take care of you. He will take care of you. Awesome. All right. I just want to finish with a prayer that I want us to all say together. A declaration that I want us to all make together. And I I just hope that just open your heart to the Holy Spirit and just say, Holy Spirit, just shift any, any mindsets or any ways of thinking, any um, patterns of behaviour or any any ruts that I've fallen into that are not what you've called me to. Any expectations that I'm living by that are not from you. We just lay it all at your feet, Jesus. We just lay it all at your feet and we thank you for renewing our minds and giving us a a clarity around what you've called us to do. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We lay down everything at your feet that hinders us from living the way you've called us to live. Every pressure, every perfectionism, 
every fear, every anxiety. We lay it down at your feet. Remind us of how you've called us to live. Remind us of how you've called us to follow. How you've called us to open our hearts, to open our homes. How you've called us to be ministers of reconciliation. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Can we just all make this declaration? Can we stand together? This is just a prayer of rededicating our hearts and rededicating our homes to our Father. So, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the family of God. Thank you for community. Thank you for connection. Help us to give and receive hospitality with humility and grace. We dedicate our homes. We dedicate our hearts for your glory. Thank you that you are our provider. You are our foundation. And you fill us with supernatural love. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yes. Thank you, God. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining today. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.